Hello and welcome to Grace Life Tigerville, a church situated in the northern suburbs of Cape Town. We pray that this teaching will awaken your heart to the reality of Christianity, which is Christ in you, and that it will result in increased fruitfulness in your life. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a privilege and an honor to stand again in front of you, to just be invited to come and share the word with everybody. Um, I also want to just want to Etienne and Catherine in Absentia. I know they are away on their vacation for about two weeks. Uh, just even trusting me to just come and share, even when they're not, they're not there, I think it's just really, uh, just honors me to, to, to just know that, you know, they can trust me with the congregation or with the word that we're going to bring about because the reality is that there can only be one message anyway that we can share, and that is the message about Jesus Christ, and that is what we are here to, to share, uh, to, uh, to partake of together this morning. So I just want to even uh, encourage those ones, the, the new ones that just came this morning, to, to just partake with us, is, as is our custom. I think you could see that during the service, if you had a word, you could come to the front and you could share, because it's not just the guy in front who is supposed to be the, the guy that knows it all, the, or the guy that's able to, you know, understand the scripture. But every single person who's got the Spirit of God has the ability to understand scripture. As long as they are reading and um, sharing that scripture from the perspective of, re- of revealing who Jesus Christ is. So I'm inviting all of us to, to be partakers of the word. And when you're saying partakers of the word, apply your minds to, to what we are saying, not just taking in everything that we say, but applying your minds, uh, going back to the scriptures and hearing what the scripture is saying in relation to what we are sharing, because that is what God desires of us to to be students and to be students of the word. So it's really it's really a privilege to just be standing in front of you and just sharing this morning. And uh, we're currently going through the series called Freedom from Bondage. Uh, and Etienne opened up that series last week with his message called No Longer Slaves. Do you realize what Jesus did? That was the, the title of the message that he shared last week. And uh, if you if you wanna if you hadn't had a chance to listen to that message, you can go on our on SoundCloud, look for the channel or the page Grace Life, and then you can uh, find that message on on SoundCloud. You can listen to it for free uh, because we're not um, selling any of our messages. So you're, you're welcome to just uh, go on SoundCloud. So yeah, today under this series of freedom from bondage, we're going to be uh, talking about the message of being free from religion. That is the title of today's message, being free from religion. So it's really an exciting, it was really exciting for me just going through the scriptures, going, thinking about this and preparing for this message, just thinking about what religion really is and, um, and all this. And I, I spoke about partaking. Uh, there's something that just came to my mind as I was thinking about the word partaking. On Friday, uh, we normally meet up with the guys every Friday morning for Manike. Uh, if you don't know what Manike is, uh, it's really just a gathering of uh, uh, the, the guys, the gents, you normally just meet up at, at a restaurant or at a place where they can just uh, chat about life and then uh, share a passage of scripture, then discuss what that passage of scripture means to them. So we normally do that here at Grace Life Tiger Bank. We do that normally every Friday morning at 7 a.m. 
at Willow Bridge at Omeo. So we just come there and we meet up. But there was a passage of scripture that was shared there by Devon um, in uh, Ephesians chapter 1 that um, as, as, as he was sharing that passage, I was just thinking that, you know, looking at our salvation and looking at what Jesus did for us, it was enough for us for Jesus to just die on the cross and have our sins forgiven because that was more than what we deserved. Just for Jesus to die on the cross and having our sins uh, forgiven. But God did much more. Uh, in Ephesians 1, he talks about God's long-range plan. And God's long-range plan involved not just the forgiveness of our sins, but it also involved the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God living in man. So that means that according to God, it was just not enough for us to just have forgiveness of sins and then we just leave and wait for, for us to die. But he also gave us his spirit. And when we're talking about God giving us his spirit, it's not like we got a, a part of his spirit or just a, a baby Holy Spirit. The Bible talks of uh, God pouring the fullness of himself in Jesus Christ and we have Christ in us so that means we have the fullness of God inside of us so it's not just a part of him but the fullness of God lives inside of us and I believe because of that we can be partakers together with Christ um, in, in, this, in sharing this wonderful news about uh, our forgiveness and about what God has done for us through Jesus Christ and because of the spirit inside of us we are empowered to share that message and that is the reason why we are able to stand in front of you and share that message because we're sharing from the perspective that the Holy Spirit has empowered us to, to share this good news and every other believer who's, who is sitting in this place who's got the Spirit of God, who has received Christ as the Spirit of God in them and they also have the ability to share the same message that we are preaching to you. And um, it is really such a blessing that uh, we, we get to be partakers of this. Now, like I mentioned, um, we will be sharing about freedom from religion, of being free from religion. So I'm just going to open up our, um, our sharing this morning from the book of Galatians. In fact, Galatians is going to be primarily where we are going to take most of our reading from. So Galatians chapter 5, if you can follow with me, from verse 1 up to verse 3. From the message translation, we're going to first of all read from the message translation from Galatians chapter 5, verse 1 up to verse 3. So uh, it says that from the message, Christ has set us free to live, Christ has set us free to live a free life. So take your stand. Never again let anyone put a harness of slavery on you. I am emphatic about this. The moment any one of you submits to circumcision or any other rule-keeping system, at that same moment Christ's hard-won gift of freedom is squandered. I repeat my warning. The person who accepts the ways of circumcision trades all the advantages of the free life in Christ for the obligations of the slave life of the law. This is such a strong message that was bringing to the church of Galatians talking about our freedom and in this instance he, he picked on a, a practice that was happening in the Jewish, Jewish nation at that particular time which was circumcision 
And um, according to the law, circumcision was more like a, a symbol of showing that you you are um, you are becoming part of uh, you are you're following the law or you 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 you're listening to God's command of him being uh, of you being part of his um of the tribe of the of the nation of the Jews so that that is something that the Jewish nations or the people in the Jewish times had to do as a symbol of their commitment to God circumcision but then Paul here as the same Jew is preaching the gospel is saying that if you are submitting to any practice of circumcision or any other rule-keeping system, then what you're doing, you're simply squandering your hard-won, the, the hard-won gift of freedom that Christ has come to give you. Because what we have in Christ is nothing to do with what we are doing, what what we can do for Him. Because in Christ, there is nothing that we can ever do to please him. There's nothing that we can ever do to earn God's favor because everything that we need is in Christ and Christ did everything for us by dying on the cross. So there is nothing from a physical perspective that we can ever do to earn our salvation. There is nothing that we can ever do from, from a physical perspective that we can do to, to, be please, to, to be pleasing before God because God is pleased with us through Jesus Christ. And I also am going to read from Galatians chapter 3, verse 1 to 3 from the Amplified, which also are very strong words that Paul was writing to, to this church of Galatians. It says from the Amplified 1 to 3, All you foolish and thoughtless superficial Galatians, who has bewitched you that you would act like this, to whom right before your very eyes, Jesus was publicly portrayed as crucified in the gospel message. This is all I want to ask of you. Did you receive the Holy Spirit as a result of obeying the requirements of the law? Or was it the result of hearing the message of salvation with faith, believing it? Are you so foolish and senseless, having begun your new life by faith with the Spirit, are you now being perfected and reaching spiritual maturity by the flesh? That is by your own works and efforts to keep the law. These are really very strong words to say. What he was saying is that he was now talking to believers. To say, when you started your journey with Christ, you started it as a journey of just believing in the message. So why is it that now you've been saved? Now you've received Christ. Why are you then going back? to the rule-keeping system where you have to do this and do that to be right with God. And you are saying, the same way you have received Christ by faith is the same way that you walk your journey with Christ by faith. So it's not about doing certain things. Maybe I need to pray more. Maybe I need to fast more. That is not what God is calling us to. God is not calling us to a life of performance. God is calling us to a life of faith. And it is from the position of us believing that we get overflow in action. So that is what God is really calling us to, not, not a life of performance, but a life of believing and trusting in what Christ has done for us. And from that place, so we're not saying go and just sit. No, the Holy Spirit does not empower us to just sit down and do nothing. There is definitely a purpose to the Holy Spirit that is inside of us, but it's definitely not about performance as much as it is about just believing in what Christ has done and from that overflow of knowing and trusting what God has done for us, then we get to overflow in action, in doing something that God has called us to. So this is just something that we just want to 
Now, I just want to encourage you to always keep on meditating and having in your minds to say, okay, what is it that God has called us to? So maybe the question that I would ask is, what is then wrong with our performance? What is wrong with our performance? I'm going to take us back to the beginning from Genesis chapter 1, uh, Genesis chapter, it should be chapter 2 or chapter 3 that talks about um, when Adam and Eve fell, when, when the snake or the devil came to Adam and Eve and, uh, and, and, and tempted them with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What we can see from that perspective is that it was never from the beginning an issue of an issue of, in fact, maybe the question I would ask is, what was the sin that Adam and Eve committed? Was it a sin of eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that tree? What was the sin that they committed? It was a sin, it has always been a sin of, of unbelief. Because the enemy, the devil, came to Adam and Eve and says, did God say to you that you shall not eat of that but I am saying to you that if you eat, you will become like God. So what did they believe? What the enemy told them, right? So they believed what the enemy told them and doubted what God had told them from the beginning that you were, they were already like God. All they just needed to do was to trust that what God had said was true. But they chose rather to listen to the voice of the enemy. And from that point in time, men fell. Men rebelled against God. And then we read, we jump to Exodus chapter 19, where Moses comes to the children of Israel. And then the children of Israel say, whatever God commands us, we will do it. That was in Exodus chapter 19. And then in Exodus chapter 20, it starts by God giving the Ten Commandments. So they said in Exodus 19, whatever God commands us, we will do it. And then God introduces the law in Exodus chapter 20. And from that time, now there was a different system that they had to, to live, live by, which is the commandments. They had to follow every commandment. And the problem with the law is that it wasn't a case of, I am good on nine, but I'm still struggling with the one. According to the law, you had to keep all ten perfectly. Otherwise, if you break one, you break all. That is, the, that is the true standard of the law. And we see that in Christ Jesus, when he himself walked on earth, um, he was talking to the religious leaders of his time in Matthew chapter 5. And he was saying, you have had the law saying that you shall not commit adultery, but I am saying to you, whoever looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery. So according to them, the action was the, the, the offense. But according to Christ, it wasn't even the action. It was the thought that leads to the action. So that was the problem because they always associated the offense with the action. But Jesus brought the true standard of the law and said, no, but it starts in your mind before you actually act upon it. So that means that from the true standard of the law, you don't even need to act upon it. You just need to think about it. You've already, you've already broken the law by just thinking about it without even doing it. So considering that true standard of the law, who of us can say that I can keep the law? Because every single day you are getting thoughts in your mind, some of the thoughts that you really don't want to have. 
And from that perspective, God is saying, from the perspective of the law, the true standard of the law, you've already broken the law by just thinking about that, even if you didn't act upon it. Because that's where everything comes from. It starts within the, within, in the mind before we actually see the manifestation of that in, in, in the physical body. And this is the problem now that we have with religion, including religious Christianity, that oftentimes we have made religion all about what I can do. Like if I were to, you know, keep myself confined to a place for seven days, just praying to God, then God is going to hear me, then God is going to be pleased with me. Um, but that is not really what God has is, is called us to because we're always defaulting back to performance when God is really has called us to a life of freedom, freedom from performance, but freedom that we get from simply believing and receiving in what Christ has done for us. Now, one of the things about our performance is that um, it will always frustrate the grace of God. Our performance, the Bible says our performance always frustrates the grace of God. And we're thinking, what is the grace of God? The grace of God is that we will always receive what we do not deserve. That is what the grace of God is really all about, what Christ has, has given us. So if we read from Galatians chapter 2, verse 19 to 21, again from the message translation, it says, What actually took place is this. I tried keeping rules and working my, way, my, and working my head off to please God. It didn't work. So I quit being a lawman so that I could be God's man. Christ's life showed me how and enabled me to do it. I identified myself completely with him. Indeed, I have been crucified with Christ. My ego is no longer central. It is no longer important that I appear righteous before you or have your good opinion. I am no longer driven to impress God. Christ lives in me. The life you see me living is not mine, but it is lived by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I am not going back on that. Now, verse 21 is very critical to, to what, we are, what we are sharing here. It says, it is, is it not clear to you that to go back to the old rule-keeping system, peer-pleasing religion would be an abandonment of everything personal and free in my relationship with God? I refuse to do that to repudiate God's grace. If living a relationship with God would come by rule-keeping, then Christ died unnecessarily. Now, the New King James Version says that um, we frustrate the grace of God by going back to the commandments or to the rules. And that word frustrate the grace of God really means to, to nullify the grace of God or to make the grace of God of no effect. So what, what, what Paul is really trying to say here, what the scripture is really trying to say here is that when we choose to continue to go back to that old system of performance, of rule keeping, what we are simply doing is that we are nullifying what the grace of God has made available to us for free. So that means we are letting go of what we have, the freedom that we have in Christ 
what we have received from him by going back to that system where we have to do certain things to please God of which we can never please him, which is a problem. So now, like I said, maybe the, the question to ask is what is it that we are still doing in our lives that we think can bring us closer to God? What is it that we're still doing in our lives that we think can make us right with God? I remember a time before I got married, um, I used to work in town and uh, our church had a, had a campus in town. So I used to drive, I used to go very early to, to work. I used to get, in, to, get, to get in town around 6 a.m. because our church used to open up their doors for anybody who wanted to come in early and just uh, pray if you wanted to. So because I wanted to, uh, I started going there for, for the 6 a.m. prayers um, at, uh, in town. So I would pray and then after my prayers I would then go to work. So what happened is I did this for a very long time and this one time, probably in winter because it was difficult to wake up, I decided, I decided not to go. But what happened really surprised me because I started feeling guilty about not going to those morning prayers. It just didn't make sense to me in that moment because I was like, what if I had decided from the start not to go? Would I have felt like this? I would never have felt. So then the question that came to my mind is, why, why is it that the decision that I have made to go for those morning prayers is now the, the same decision that is condemning me? Then I realized that it was a performance. Because when we, whenever we're doing things from a performance perspective, it will end up condemning us. And we always think that condemnation comes when we're doing bad things. But that's, but, that, but that's not how condemnation works. Condemnation does not only come when we're doing bad things. In this instance, there was nothing wrong with my decision of not wanting to go because I was tired or I was feeling like, you know, I just needed a little bit more sleep. But because of the same decision, I was being condemned. And then I realized that something was wrong with the way I was doing it. So my next prayer was to God was like, Lord, if I'm going to continue doing this, which is a good thing, going for those many morning prayers, I'm not, I'm not saying it's wrong to pray, I'm not saying it's wrong to do all these good things, but I'm saying don't let us not do it from a position of performance, of trying to please God, of, of trying to look, you know, to feel good about ourselves or about our lives, but let us do it from a position of relationship and overflow. So I pray to God that if I'm ever going to continue going to those morning prayers, let it be a daily delight and not an obligation. Because that is where the blessing comes from, not from a performance, not from obligation, whether it's giving. Even sometimes, even with giving, again, in fact, giving is a very good one, a very good example that sometimes when we, when we feel like we're not able to give, suddenly we are condemned as well. The devil comes and says, so now you're not giving your money. Well, what are you going to do with that money and so on? Because, because the enemy is there. The Bible says that the enemy is the, is the, is the condemner of the, of the brethren. He is the only one that comes to condemn. The Holy Spirit is there to convict us. Condemnation comes from the enemy. Conviction comes from the Holy Spirit. And what does the Holy Spirit convict us of? Our righteousness in Christ Jesus, according to John chapter 16. These were the words of Jesus, that the Holy Spirit will convict the believer 
that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So what is it in our lives that is keeping us bondage that we feel like if I stop doing it, if I don't stop, if I ever stop doing it, or if I don't stop doing that, then I'm, I'm not going to be pleasing to God. This is a question that you can answer for yourself because you know exactly what it is that you're doing from a performance perspective in trying to feel good about yourself, in trying to please God. You know, you know, you know very, very much what it is about. And then um, I'm just going to read from uh, Colossians. There is a very good, this is a very good passage of scripture that again, in light of what we're talking about, what the Bible says or the, the, the word says about our performance when we are trying to do all these things to please God. Colossians chapter 2 from verse 16 to verse 21. Uh, we're reading this from the New Living Translation. Colossians chapter 2 from verse 16 to 21 says, So don't let anyone, don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holidays. Anyone know, know any holidays that people celebrate? <laughs> or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths? For these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come. And Christ himself is that reality. If anybody has received Christ, Christ is the reality. All these other traditions, rules, uh, that, that, that people used to, to do under the law. They were just shadows pointing to the reality, and the reality that we have is Christ Jesus himself. He is the fulfillment of the law, according to Scripture. Christ is the fulfillment of the law. Don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on, on pious self-denial or worship of angels, saying that they have had visions about these things. Their sinful minds have made them proud. And they are not connected to Christ, the head of the body. For he holds the whole body together and its joints and ligaments, and it grows as God nourishes it. You have died with Christ and has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep on following the rules of the world, such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch? Such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion. Anyone know people who are strong, strongly devoted to their religion? Because this, these rules may seem wise because of their strong devotion, pious and self-denial, and severe bodily discipline but they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. Which is really a moment of just um, reflecting on our actions, on our, on our performance. To say, you know, when we, when we are doing these things, like I say, we are feeling good about ourselves, you know, severe body discipline and strong devotion, thinking that is the way to go. But the reality is they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. They provide no help at all. Because like Jesus said, like I mentioned earlier, you don't know what's happening in the person's mind. They can show you outside, externally, that, you know, this is what I'm doing to try and please God. 
this is what I am doing to show my devotion to God. But the reality is they all those things, they do not provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. Why? Because the reality is the only person that could conquer sin was Christ. And Christ came and he died for us and he became the payment for our sins so that anybody who believes is justified from all things that could not be justified by the law of Moses. That is according to Acts 13 verse 38 and 39. That is the message that we preach today that it's not about doing X and Y and Z. It's all about believing in what Christ has done. And then we are set free from all these things that we feel that we may need to do for God or even for ourselves. Sometimes we think we're doing it for God, but the reality is we're doing it for ourselves. Yes, because oftentimes that's how it seems like. Like we're doing it for God, but the truth is we're doing it for ourselves. Okay, so then what is the purpose of the law? We were talking about the law and performance and religion. So maybe the question to ask is, so why did God give the law from the beginning? What is the purpose of the law? That's a very good question because Galatians chapter 3 verse 19 from the Amplified says, Why then the law, what was, it, what was its purpose? It was added after the promise to Abraham to reveal to people their guilt because of transgressions, that is to make people conscious of the sinfulness of sin. And the law was ordained through angels and delivered to Israel by the hand of a mediator, Moses, the mediator between God and Israel, to be in effect until the seed would come to whom the promise had been made. So Galatians 3.19 is saying that the law was added so that we could become conscious of sin, of the sinfulness of sin. Another verse that says exactly the same is Romans 3.20 from the Amplified, which says, For no person will be justified, freed from guilt and declared righteous in his sight by trying to do the works of the law. For through the law we have become conscious of sin, and the recognition of sin directs us towards repentance, but provides no remedy for sin. That's very interesting that the Lord directs us towards repentance. So that means it takes us to a place where we realize, I cannot do it. And then we repent. Repentance is not about uh, letting go of certain things. It's all about changing your mind. That's the, the root word for the word repentance. It means to change your mind. And how do we transform or change our minds? By the message, the gospel, hearing the message. It is through hearing the message that our minds are being transformed. Or being renewed and the law does not provide any remedy for sin just like we had from Colossians that anything and all those things have no benefit in us conquering our evil desires Romans 7 verse 7 again also says what they, what shall we say then is the law sin certainly not on the contrary I would not have known sin except the law except through the law for I would not have known what covetousness is unless the Lord says, you shall not covet. Isn't it interesting that the moment you tell a child not to do something, that's exactly the same thing that they want to do. I always imagine kids playing outside and uh, in the neighborhood there's a glass house 
and then suddenly the owner of that house puts a sticker or a, a post on the on the on the in front of their house do not throw stones guess what's going to happen <laughs> the moment you tell people not to do something is exactly the moment that every evil desire connected to that thing is is stirred up so Paul Rea is writing that I would not have known what lust was unless the Lord had said thou shalt not lust the moment he had thou shalt not lust that's the moment all forms of lusting came to his mind because the law is pointing us to what sin really is it's not a solution the law will tell you you shall not cheat on your wife but it can never teach you to love your wife because the remedy is not cheating on your wife the remedy is loving your wife but the law will tell you what not to do, but it can never teach you what you ought to, to do. You understand? So that's where grace comes in, because grace is our empowerment to love our neighbor, to love our wives. And when you love your neighbor as much as you love yourself, you wouldn't want to do bad, for that, bad towards that person. That is the difference between the law and grace. So the law in itself is holy and spiritual. It's, it's holy and it's spiritual, but it was, its purpose was not for us to make us holy, because it can never make us holy. It's actually to show us that we are, defi we are deficient if we don't have Christ in us. That is the purpose of the law. Then the, also the, the other pur purpose of the law is to point us to Jesus. Galatians 3, 24 to 25 says, Therefore the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. So if we, are, if we keep on going back to the old system of religion, of the law of performance, then we are still operating under a tutor. But, the, but when you have brought people to the actual reality of Christ, you no longer need that tutor that was bringing you to, to Christ. So the law was to point us to Jesus. And now that we have Christ, we no longer need the law because Christ is the fulfillment of the law. Whoever has Christ has fulfilled all the law. Now the question is, we are talking about being free from bondage. What does our freedom look like? What does our freedom in Christ look like? Our freedom, first of all, looks like having the Spirit of God in us. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 from the Amplified says, Now the Lord is Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there is freedom. That is emancipation from bondage, that is true freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So having the Spirit of God in us is true freedom. That is the purpose of the, that, that, is, that is what freedom looks like, having the Spirit of God in us. And then what is then the purpose of this freedom, now that we know what freedom looks like? What is the purpose of this freedom that we have in Christ? What do we do with that freedom? Do we then just do whatever we like because God no longer holds our sin against us? Is that the purpose of our freedom, to just do whatever we like because God doesn't hold our sin against us? That is not the purpose. First of all, 
The purpose of our freedom is to be witnesses of the gospel because we have the spirit, so it is to be witnesses of the gospel. Isaiah 61, prophecy about Jesus, is saying, Isaiah 61 from verse 1 to 3 from the New King, from the verse 1 from the New King James says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good tidings. What is the good tidings? The gospel to the poor. That means to the poor in spirit, those who have not encountered the gospel yet. So that is the purpose of the Spirit. And we also know from Acts 1.8 that Jesus was commanding his disciples to go and wait for the promise of the Spirit. And when he has come, you will be my witness. So once we received the, once they received the Holy Spirit, they began preaching the gospel because the Holy Spirit is the empowerment for us to start spreading the same message that has impacted our lives, to be witnesses of this same gospel that we have. Again, it says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. One other thing about our religious practices we're always looking for the one that is the best anointing oil. Uh, did you know that the word Christ means the anointed one? The word Christ. So when you say Jesus Christ, what we are simply saying is we are saying Jesus, the anointed one. So when you've got Jesus, you don't need anointing oil. Anointing oil is just going to make you look shiny. <laughs> Because you're already anointed when you've got the Spirit of God, you're already anointed. Jesus Christ means the anointed one. So that means whoever is Jesus has the anointing. So you don't need to go and buy anointing oil from anyone when you've got Christ in you because Jesus is the anointing that we need. Okay, so then the second purpose of this freedom that we have is to live his perfect righteousness. Romans 6 verse 18 from the message translation says, And now you celebrate your freedom from your former master sin. You've left its bondage and now God's perfect righteousness holds power over you as his loving servants. When we have freedom, we are free from, from even the sin that holds us. And now we have God's perfect righteousness as, as power over us. So that means to live his perfect righteousness. We are given the freedom to live perfect, to live righteous before him. Because our righteousness is not coming from our performance. If righteousness was through performance, then Christ died in vain. Like what we heard from Galatians 2 verse 21. If, if righteousness was through the law, then Christ died in vain. So that means we have Christ so that we can, have, we can be called the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And lastly, like Devon shared earlier, the purpose of our freedom is to serve one another in love. And I'm going to close with that verse from Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 to 15. I, I believe it's just an awesome verse from the message translation. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 to 15, which says, It is absolutely clear that God has called you to a free life. Do you believe that God has called us to a free life? Yes. So what is the purpose of our freedom? Just make sure that you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do and destroy your freedom. Rather use your freedom to serve one another in love. That's how freedom grows. For everything we know about God's word is summed up in one single sentence. Love others as you love yourself. 
That's an act of true freedom. So if you bite and ravage each other, watch out, in no time you will be annihilating each other. And where will your precious freedom be then? So that is lastly what our purpose of this freedom that we have is for us to serve one another in love. That is what God really has called us to. And, I, and I'm just praying that even as we shared this message with you that you know, there's an awakening in, in all of us, even an introspection of what is it that, um, that I am doing from a performance perspective to try and please God in light of our salvation, in light of what Jesus has done, in light of what God's plan for our salvation Again, one thing that always amazes me, obviously this it's amazing me now that I have knowledge of, I'm getting, I'm growing in my knowledge of the word, in my knowledge of, in my relationship with Jesus, that when the apostles in the book of Acts started preaching the gospel to the Gentiles, they said to the Gentiles, you are not under the law, you were never under the law, so we will not burden you with the religious systems of the Jews. They just preach the gospel, they just preach Jesus without any requirement for them to be circumcised, without any requirement for them to follow Jewish practices. So I don't really know and understand how in our world right here we, we caught up to the Jewish systems that when the gospel is being preached then we also have to follow the Jewish systems. The Jewish laws were meant for the Jews. They were not meant for everybody but the gospel is for everyone. Because the, the Jewish nation, the gospel, the Jewish nation was simply meant to be a conduit for the gospel to the priest to the whole world. And we know that the law came because men rebelled. But it was never God's plan. God's plan from the beginning was always for the spirit of God to live in men. Because according to the word, that is what true freedom looks like. Having the spirit of God in us. And I'm just hoping and I'm praying that um, this word was an awakening in your hearts and in your minds um, to just remember and be aware of the fact that we already have the true freedom that we have in Christ Jesus. We don't need to be jumping this hoop and that hoop to try and please God, to try and feel good about ourselves because the reality is Christ, is, Christ in us is enough. If you're ever in the Tigerberg area, we invite you to visit us at one of our gatherings. To find out more, please contact us at info at gracelife.co or visit us at gracelife.co.